step out, take control of your business, and decide to be your very best as a leader right now. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Payton with the Lead Now podcast. And man, am I excited about today's guest. Please meet Coco Vinny Zaldivar. Coco Vinny is the CEO and founder of Coco Taps, the only patented and certified zero waste coconut beverage system in the market. Their coconut drills enable sustainable, fresh coconut water consumption and are completely manufactured in the United States. Coco Vinny has been featured on ABC's Shark Tank and CNBC's The Profit. He has founded and funded numerous businesses over the last 20 years, educates widely on eco-friendly business practices, and today distributes CocoTap coconuts to most major five-star resorts, juice bars, restaurants, and music festivals in Las Vegas and beyond. Coco Vinny, thanks for making time to be with us today. Aloha, Mike. I appreciate it. Good morning to you. As I should have mentioned, you are calling in from Hawaii, thus making the rest of us resent you even more than if you were in Vegas right now. So it's nice to have you on the show. And ironically, Vegas is the last one out right now. They're still counting stuff up. Yeah. So I'm yeah. glad I'm... <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. There's drama there, but not the normal type, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So just to make that clear to the listener, in case we don't edit this, we are speaking on the Friday of election week and the results are still undetermined <laughs> as we speak. So, Kokovini, give us a little two minute history of your entrepreneurial journey and what led you to create Coco Taps. Well, I tell people necessity is the mother of invention and I needed an entirely new career and I needed a way to get into a coconut. So uh, it forced me to totally invent my toolkit and the system, and then everything just kind of flowed from there. So it's been an adventure, and you know we're still riding the wave. So every day you learn something new. That's great. So what was it that made you passionate about getting into a coconut? Well, it was actually the actual hate for the packaged <laughs> processed coconut water. Mm. I couldn't drink it. I thought I hated coconuts. And then I broke a knife on a coconut after I had tasted a fresh coconut and it was a night and day difference from the package stuff. So I just, I went all in, I looked at the market and I had been to Hawaii a couple of times and uh, just fell in love with the whole, the whole thing, you know, helping people, helping the planet, getting the freshest coconut water is just, it's the truth. So I wanted to follow that. So tell us what year was it that you broke the knife and, and when did you found the business and when did you first go to market with your product? So I broke the knife in 2013, probably mid 2013. And this was your father-in-law's really expensive, yeah. high quality knife, right? Yeah. Well, my stepdad's, you know, it was unmarked. It was unmarked. This just regular old knife. And I thought it was, you know, just a cheapie, but it was something that he, it was a prized possession of his. He bought in Germany 20 years prior. So yeah, I, I broke my stepdad's knife on a coconut and I, I really didn't know what to do at that point. I couldn't replace it. So I just figured, you know what? I bought him a whole new knife set, but I figured I couldn't be the, the only guy that almost chopped his fingers off and is breaking t breaking equipment on coconuts. So I, that's how it started and it's gone from there, yeah. That's awesome. So tell us about the size of the organization today, the reach of your company, how many distribution points do you have, that kind of stuff. We decided to go real deep into the one market of Las Vegas. And so over the past four years, we brought it to market in 2016. And uh, well, with the exception of this year, we've been just cranking and growing. We actually are, are 
poised to grow the company this year as well with some of the pivots that have come our way. But I'm just excited to, to have so much traction. And I've been working really hard on getting traction in one market, so setting deep roots. And then now it's starting to really expand through partnerships. So we've got Coco Taps Jamaica, Coco Taps Mexico, Mexico. We're working on Hawaii, that's so why I'm out here now. Florida, Miami, Long Beach. So it's it's going to really rapidly grow over the next few years and expand that footprint. Yeah. So tell the listener exactly what your product is and how it works and why it is All able right. to be zero waste. So we created the Coco Taps tool system and you can buy a kit online at cocotaps.com. But we realized that people didn't want to always do it themselves, especially the resorts for short on time and labor and all that. So we invented a, a system in our facility that shaves the coconut. We brand their logo on it. And the tap is made out of an ocean biodegradable, fully backyard compostable maize corn flour. It's not plastic. And that goes into the coconut so you can drink it fresh. And so by chance, if that ends up in the ground or in the ocean, it won't hurt the ecosystem like all the plastic packaged products are. And then we went through extensive audits of our process, which means to be a zero waste company, you have to upcycle, repurpose, eliminate over 90% of your whole supply chain away from landfill. And we're at 96%. So we're certified zero waste by an organization called the True Zero Waste Organization. So yeah, we became a fully zero waste company uh, certified in 2018. And we just pushed it next level. We were able to eliminate all plastic, you know, the tap, and it became a full maize corn flour. That took us like three years to innovate. Yeah, we got onto Shark Tank and onto the profit. So millions of people have seen us. And I'm a big animated kind of a Colonel Sanders of coconuts. For our listeners, I'll give a little color so you can see what I'm seeing on this video call that we're only publishing the sound on. So Coco Vinny's in Hawaii wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He's got an unbelievable fedora on his head that, with a band that matches his shirt. And he's legally changed his name to Coco Vinny. And so this man is all in 100%. And he's an authentic, genuine article. It's just a great pleasure to be on with you. Tell me about your organization today. How many employees and maybe share a little bit about what you've done to pivot this year as part of this part of the story. Yeah, so right about 12 right now, and it's been a challenge. I had to keep everyone on payroll while everything was shut down. So that was a huge pivot, and I think that was a good accomplishment to be able to keep everybody on the payroll. We started a home delivery service. We pivoted, we, we redid our website, so you can order a nine pack or four pack in our you know, communities where we deliver fresh. We were also able to buy a company that was a robotics uh, beverage business out of San Francisco. And so we actually went from eight people to 12 people in the pandemic. And we built, we're almost finished with the first prototype of a fully automated coconut cocktail machine that'll put the rum and vodka and everything right into your coconut at every bar. It'll laser your, your brand on the coconut, your logo. And so that has been an amazing thing because it's, once that launches in the next, you know, six months, I mean, we'll be able to scale finally. And it was something on the roadmap that I wanted to do. It was in my head, but you know, who has the time to step back and build a robotic machine, right? The team that we were able to meet, they were at a place where they needed, they needed someone like us and we need someone like them. So 
a lot of good stuff is happening awesome. in the noise. You know, it's been rough, though. It's not easy. Yeah. I don't know if you're selling those machines to homeowners, but I'd be in the market for that. Any <laughs> any robot that can infuse rum or vodka into my coconut is okay by me, just to yeah, be clear. We'll, we'll get you one, Mike. I'll, I'll All make right. sure. All right. Sounds, sounds good. I'm on the beta test you're on the program. List. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So let's change gears a minute and talk about leadership in general, not just your mm -hmm. organization. So I want you to go back to the earliest part of your life that you remember seeing someone lead? What were they doing? What did you notice? How did that inform you as a future leader? Well, you know, I think when I think back to my early, early years, you know, call it 10, 12 you know, years old, I think it would be my dad. My father is a, an amazingly charismatic entrepreneur. He had his own limousine company. He would take me around to all of his meetings with him when I was young. I, you know, he'd throw me in the back of a limo. You know, I had my own driver sometimes. It was kind of a really neat thing to give a kid as a, a perspective. So I think seeing him operate young uh, through all the challenges and things at that time, that's probably my first leadership thing. And then just a number of mentors through my, eight, you know, since I was 16, 18, 20 years old, I've, I've had some great mentors. What are the qualities that you saw in your dad or you see in these mentors that have helped you become a leader yourself? What are the qualities you see they exude that make them great leaders? I think the, the thing that really, really stands out even today is someone who has the emotional intelligence and sort of the compassion to listen and understand their own things aside, be able to, to read the room, so to speak. I think that's a that's a real key skill to be able to use that compassion. I think that's very important in especially in these days. There's a lot of things that are dividing us even. And so I think compassion and I like to call it cocoa love really is what it comes down to is I've, I've learned how to be different, but also be in alignment. So let's talk more about that. How, what are the things you do to show cocoa love to your people? My direct people in house. I don't ever try and pull rank. I don't flex the CEO muscle or any of that. You know, um, no job is too beyond me. I'll, I'm in the trenches every day. I'm I'm out selling coconuts with the team, and I'm I'm you know kicking down doors or or helping them. I got their back at all times. So mm. we're equals, and in fact, I'd rather them get through and come up first, and then I'll go in. So even in the roughest times, is that something that comes naturally to you, or have you had to work at that? No, I think I think by making mistakes in previous companies and learning what makes me feel good, you know, I mean, it makes me feel better to to have an alignment with my team and to mm. really, you know, we're all firing on you know all cylinders. And even if we're struggling, we're struggling together. And so that's the thing that I think makes a great leader is somebody who can just feel, you know, feel everything, mm. you know, and not just totally blow everything over and try and just force a number be like we got to make these numbers and it's tough it's tough when you have the pressures of business and sales and everything but what it comes down to is is keeping everyone in alignment i think and, and that common problem solving together i think that's what yeah it's a, what i hear you say is you're you're working hard to balance your humanness with the desire to run a great business and results are important but not at the expense of humanness is that a fair way That's of saying it. what you're sharing exactly yeah I, I, and yeah. it's uh I'd rather miss a quarterly number 
honestly, I hate to say it, but I'll, I'll miss a quarterly number if it's going to cause two or three of my people to get burned out and quit. So yeah, we'll hit the quarter next quarter or next year, but we're going to figure it out together. So I want to make sure everybody's in the line and people are going to self-select out. We, we had a great sort of co-founder, my, my cousin, Coco Joe, he just, he, he gave five years to all in on the biz and then, you know, he moved on. And so I was shocked when he gave me the news, but I think the pandemic was able to shake out some of that stuff too, and family and business and different things. So there's dynamics always. And you just got to work. If nothing, the difficulties we've been living through in 2020 has have forced all of us to spend more time examining what's truly important. And yeah, um, for sure, for sure. I think whenever a large segment of the population does that, good stuff comes of it, even though it's painful. Who's the best leader you've ever worked for or with? So one of my early mentors, his name was George Mafus, and he helped me learn and grow as a businessman all around through example. He led by example. And George was more than just a a boss or a, you know, associate, he shared books with me. He shared life experience. I, I learned very visually. I'm a visual learner. So I watched things that he did. I studied. And so unintentionally, I think he, he helped me grow as a businessman and as a compassionate sort of uh, entrepreneur that I, that I'm working on daily. So George was a solid cat. I mean, and he still is. In fact, he's taken a company public and I'm a, I'm going to be a, large shareholder investor in his company and just great man. He's been a great, great friend and mentor. If I asked you to describe the three qualities he possesses that you think make him better than the average leader, what are the things that come to mind? Extremely disciplined, compassionate, and I would say calculated very, he does his research. He, he doesn't just wing it, you know, and that's something that I've I've had to work on consistently because I, <laughs> man, I like to jump and fly and get after yeah. it without, even without a plan. And that's something that I respect you know, about him. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you and I maybe trend to the ready fire aim side <laughs> and he's oh, more yeah. of a ready aim fire guy, yeah. uh, which sure, is always sure. helpful, always helpful. But every once in a while you're surrounded by enemies and you just got to start firing and hope you hit something, right? Oh, for sure, man. I, I yeah. let me tell you, I, it's helped me to jump before I, I know how to fly sometimes. It has helped me. Yeah, Either way, we, we, you got to learn. Well, when you're not sure what you should be afraid of, uh, it's a real courage builder. There's no question <laughs> about it. So let's flip the table on you. Have you ever worked with or for a lousy leader? And if so, what did that feel like? Yeah. So he was a customer of ours in, in, a, in a media company that I had. And he was my boss because he was our client, right? So, but the experience was anything but enjoyable. So his name was Harmel. He's up in Canada and I'm going to name names because it's, it's real authenticity here. He was just a very toxic person. You know, you, you meet these people that can just drain you they suck the life out of, you know, energy sort of vampire person and demanding toxic, didn't care. And then, you know, we ended up just going our separate ways and pulling the contract because it was just, not an enjoyable experience and you you run into people who are wealthy who have big businesses but they're toxic and they'll throw a, the, the way they speak to you or to people even the waiter they'll throw a phone at you they'll hang up on you these kinds of things you see in the world and i would say that's exactly the person that i don't ever want to become and that i work on 
keeping grounded and rooted to my own source of like, you know what, if you got to get that, it ain't worth it. And so yeah. that's, I think that was uh, probably one of the worst guys that I've worked with. Well, I think there's a lot of people in business who believe they don't win unless the other man or woman loses. Right, right. And I find that toxic as well. So uh, for the listener, there was a nugget in there. If you want to be a great leader, avoid throwing phones at people. (laughs) That that would be just a quick little reminder there. When have you felt most stuck or most troubled as a leader in your career? It was with my last company. I had an internet gaming company that I started from scratch, raised millions of dollars, got the whole thing built. It was an internet gaming company. We built it from scratch. We got patents on poker games approved through the gaming commission. I mean, we went all the way. I gave that thing my all probably five years of just blood, sweat, tears, 18 hour days. Okay. And at the end of all that, you know, we had some huge wins. I mean, we, talking about we had you know a million people on the network i was making good money but everything else around me was in shambles i woke up one day and that was the most difficult thing for me to do was to go get a ceo and the ball leave three quarters of a million of my own capital on the table take a small severance and just burn it all to the ground and that's mm-hmm. what i had to do i uh, broke up with my girlfriend i moved out of a you know my big house and all the things that I should have, all the things that I that everybody told me I should have, I had, and extra cars and everything else. And I said, no, I don't want any of it now. And so that was the most difficult thing was to literally break everything down from the ground up, rebuild. And that's how I became Coco Vinny. It was, I went from poker Vinny to Coco Vinny. And I literally just shifted everything. And, and I wanted to sell a product that actually meant something to the world where I wasn't just wasting people's time that I could take pride in and go for the rest of my days and just do something that I truly, truly loved. And it had to revolve around more than just myself. It had to be people and planet instead of me. So I went mm. the other, I flipped the entire script from. Yeah. Amazing. So, and tell us, tell us about the difference of the way you feel going to bed every night, waking up every morning, leading oh, a company man. that you believe is making a positive difference. There's no feeling better than selling a product that you love. And, and actually it's not even a product, it's a passion, you know, and you're not even, you're not even selling it. You just want to tell people about it and just, you know, you know, there's no force, there's no forced thing there. And so I do sleep very well. And, uh, every day is a new day for me. And I, I wake up and I reset no matter what. So, I mean, I, I absolutely, I don't know why, but I think this is my calling. I love this thing so much. This cocoa love is just great. Yeah. One of the things we talk to newer implementers about is you got to want to do this, even if you weren't getting paid, because with authentic entrepreneurs, they can sniff out the desire for the income trumping the desire for the mission, you know, because we've been there ourselves. Right. So little wrinkle question here for you. What did you learn about leadership from your experiences on Shark Tank and The Profit? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, it takes tremendous, tremendous courage to jump into that that whole reality TV set. And then, God, I mean, they, they actually gave me everything that I needed to write my own script. And they said, okay, here's what's going to happen. So I wrote my own script. And then right when they were going to turn the cameras on, they flipped the script on me. They said, all right, we're not going to do that now. You're going to go over here and do that. And so they shake you, man. They shake you. They put you through the meat grinder. 
and just to get any kind of, you know, stuff. So I learned a lot about myself when all the sharks went out, they didn't even make me an offer. They all just gave me a bunch of excuses. And I had come in with pure unadulterated cocoa love. I sang the ukulele. I showed them how to tap a cocoa. They all loved the coconuts. And, um, you know, I thought we had a deal, right? I was going to get a deal. I went there, no plan B. I was going to go to get a deal. I had a quarter million in sales my first year. I was rocking. And uh, then they all went out. And I think I learned everything I needed to know about myself in that moment was when I grabbed my ukulele. And instead of walking out of the room, tail between legs, I sang backwards out of the room, ad lib and throw my own lyrics into it. And I just, I don't know where that came from because it was just... I wasn't going to let them see me cry. You know what I mean? And then when the doors shut and cameras went off and I was out back, yeah, then I started crying and then I was pissed. But that, (laughs) that for me was my own looking in the mirror. Like, you know what? You took that ass whooping like a champion. (laughs) And, and really I I feel like that's what you got to learn how to do. You got to learn how to get kicked in the coconuts and and keep on keeping on. I've made a this, career this of it. This is not nice out here. Yeah, it yeah. ain't nothing nice out here, man. Yeah. This, is, this is rough seas here. Well, it is, and it's what makes you the person you are, right? It's, it's what's Mike Tyson's quotation? It's everybody's got everybody a plan until they get punched <laughs> in the face. So, yeah. in hindsight, are you glad you didn't get a deal? Absolutely, absolutely. I've and why? What I learned from the producers and from all the other entrepreneurs that were on Shark Tank either got a deal or didn't get a deal is that they don't really want to do deals. They want to create great content. They don't have the bandwidth to go in and be a real partner that takes time, blood, sweat, and tears. They don't, they want to write a check. They want to get in and get out quick flip. So they're not really engaged in any of the deals. And then what I learned was all the deals you see happen on TV, when the lights go out, they send in the lawyers and the, and the real diligence team, they call it. But what they do is they retrade you. If you agreed on a yeah. 10% equity stake for 250, you get in the back with those guys and it's 60% yeah. for the same amount. And it's rough and you can't do deals like that. They basically want to, if you ain't ready to bend over and give up your company, you probably shouldn't be doing deals in there. Yeah. Well, I think it's one thing to make a television show and shake hands in front of a national audience. And another thing when the lawyers are in the room, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's for sure. So talk about what's going on in 2020 and the disruption we're all facing, not just the pandemic, but, but social unrest and, you know, what appears to be sort of divisive, disharmonious rhetoric and so forth. As a leader of an entrepreneurial venture trying to make the world a better place, what do you think about that and how does it affect you and what are your hopes for the future? Well, it affects me deeply that anybody can discriminate or harm or just outright not care about another person. And a lot of this stuff affects me deeply because I'm actually a, I'm a minority myself. I'm a Mexican Jew. And, uh, we're a certified minority owned and operated enterprise. I'd say uh, 70 to 80% of our entire workforce are either Native American, Black, Hispanic. We're all from all over, from all different walks of life. And so when you talk about all this stuff, it's hard not to want to fight with somebody who believes that they're better or that they deserve more than other people or that other people 
deserve to be discriminated against. So that's a tough one for anybody. I even have, it's hard for me to stay that Switzerland or within that cocoa love when, when you witness something like that happen. And mm -hmm. so it affects all of us. And uh, even if people say they don't care, it does affect people. So we all just have to be in tune. And I, like I said, that emotional intelligence is a practice and you have to really read why you're doing things and what happens around that. So we pushed heavily to just express our views and uh, we didn't stay quiet. We, we expressed our views as a company, what we stand for. You know, we stand for everybody and the environment is, is the environment is key to everyone, food, air, and water. You yeah. know, we talk about climate, we talk about the political climate, everything, you know, nothing's off limits around and, and we disagreed too. There were some people in our company like Coco Joe, he wanted to stay real, real, real Switzerland and neutral. And I said, no, man, we got to speak up. I mean, there's, we have, we have people that are affected by this within our organization. So we got to speak up. Yeah. So that's tough in leadership, you know, trying to do the right thing and also not piss off your potential customers or whoever. Right. Yeah. If you can avoid taking a stand, it always feels like the safest way to do it, but it isn't ever the rightest way to do it in my humble right. opinion. So I applaud you yeah. and your team for, for taking a stand and it's not easy. No, there's risk and people, people do get offended easily these days. For sure. Skins are thin, but man, you got to take a stand. So, yeah. And I think, um, I think people will remember and the right customers will, will stay with you too. You know, you don't yeah. want someone that's not going to, there's, we don't need everybody. We don't need every customer. We can still make it with a small percentage. Well, and it's like you said, you want to do business with people that appreciate you for who you are and not people who are going to attack mm -hmm. and flip flop minimize. or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I hear you. Let's talk about Cocoa Taps before EOS and Cocoa Taps after EOS. What's different now from your leadership perspective? I mean, there's a saying that if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. And for me, EOS has just brought everything to the light as far as all my strengths and all my weaknesses are all right there on the paper. And so where are we going? You know, when we run through our level tens, it's like, it's a nut check. Are you on? <laughs> are you off? Yeah, and, you know, sometimes right. I'm so off that I haven't hit one of them or sometimes yeah. I'm hitting all of them. So it's really good to just keep everyone in tune and in alignment with where we're going, why we're going there and, and track it. And, you know, are we on track or off track? Period. Yeah. So it's, uh, so, so I want I want to spend a minute on that because you're uh, the listener who understands EOS terminology is going to come to this conclusion right, right. as quickly as I have. You're as visionary as visionaries get, and yet here you are as a leader saying how you appreciate that you're being held accountable every week. And I want that to settle in for the listener because that is the magic of EOS where you still feel free to be Coco Vinny and to do your thing, but you're also comfortable with accountability. And because you're comfortable with accountability, my guess is it makes it easier for everybody else in the organization to be comfortable with their own kind of accountability. Is that fair? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, we all feel our, you know, we all know the seat on the bus that we're sitting in and how important yeah. it is, you know? Yeah. So really powerful stuff. Thank you for sharing that. And it is, a, I, I have not used the term nut check before, but I'm going to do that frequently from here on out. That's a good way of putting it. It feels awful when you say not done or off track. It feels yeah. awful. 
Even if you own the company and your picture is on the package, you feel awful. So really rough. It's been rough to, you know, we had to change some things with this whole pandemic. Yeah. There's no way we could hit what we had. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's great. That's great. So last question here. My hope is that the Lead Now podcast will help other people at various stages in their careers as leaders or aspiring leaders become better themselves. So if you were to advise a young leader how to do that work, what are the pieces of advice you'd give them? How can they be better leaders themselves? Well, for me, it was learning how to be a terrible leader. So you got to make a move. You got to start somewhere. You know, that I think Zig Ziglar says, you don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. So my thing is make a move, set a target and start firing. Even if you don't have all the answers, you're never going to have all the answers and everything is going to change always. So each plan is not going to look like it was when you started it. And then for me, if you're going to go out and lead any team, even a team of one, lead yourself into the fire. You got to be prepared with thick skin, positive attitude, and short-term memory. Awesome. And you can put those in any way you want. I say thick skin, short-term memory, positive attitude. But if you need that positive attitude up front and the short-term memory and then the thick skin, but interchange them at any time, also learn how to listen. Two ears, one mouth. That rule should apply in everything you do. And so that's all I can say. And there ain't no secret sauce. You got to just get in that kitchen and start cooking, baby. (laughs) I love it, baby. (laughs) So two ears, one mouth is gold. I've also found a roll of duct tape can help when you forget that. So if you can't remember to use the duct tape yourself, give a roll to your teammates and invite them to tell you when to use it. So Coco Vinny, this has been a great pleasure. The listener that wants to learn more about the great work you're doing or you personally, where should they go to learn more? So we have our our corporate Instagram, Facebook, Coco Taps for you. That's F-O-R-Y-O-U, as well as just Coco Vinny, C-O-C-O-V-I-N-N-Y at Twitter, Instagram, CocoTaps.com. We're real easy to find. Um, So yeah, look forward to meeting all these great young leaders that you're speaking to and helping them uh, stay tapped in. Well, you've done a fabulous job of helping us all become better leaders. That's the purpose of the Lead Now podcast. I can't thank you enough for taking time to meet with me today. Thanks again. Appreciate you, Mike. I appreciate you, man. If you got value from today's episode, do me a favor. Open your podcasting app and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. If you've already subscribed, please subscribe one of your friends. 